we're just started, if you weren't here last week, started a series in the book of Titus in the New Testament. Today, we're, we're, we started in Titus 1 last week. We got through the first nine verses. We're going to finish up Titus 1 today, and we're going to look at, and maybe this is going to be interesting for you, the idea of exposing false teachers. And you might ask the question, well, why do we, why do we even have to study this? Because you know it, at Freedom Bible Church, we say we want to make disciples like Jesus. We want to teach his word well. And we do. We, we really um, take that seriously. That this is his word. We want to teach it well, teach it accurately. When I'm not here and we have people fill in the pulpit, we don't just have anybody come. We want to make sure that there's people who are teaching God's word well. So why do we even have to talk about false teachers? We don't have any false teachers here. Um, well, part of it is we want to make sure that I never teach anything that's false. Part of it is so that we can be aware, so that we can beware. Because in our culture, there's many, many false teachers on the airwaves, on the TV screens that are out there. And also, as we're becoming disciples, and as we're making disciples, it's important that we know what's true and teach what's true so we can develop and reproduce true disciples of Jesus. So as we, uh, we dig in more to Titus, let's just a couple reminders of some of the history and context of Titus. Titus was actually, he was a pastor, and he was pastoring a new church, the church, on the island of Crete. Crete is this island right here in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea. Paul had been in Israel, and you can see Jerusalem, in Israel, started churches in Turkey, in Greece, in, uh, in Italy, in Rome, and there's also a church right in the middle here on the island of Crete. Crete was known for its dishonesty, its gluttony, its laziness. It was an island. Think about island culture. You know, no worries, man. It's laid back, wearing your sandals, your hair in your eyes, going out on the surf. It's really laid back, lazy gluttonous, but also dishonest as traders would come and, and park their boats and, and share and sell their goods. A lot of dishonesty, part of that culture. Well, unfortunately, the church there was a new church. It was an immature church, and they were being influenced by this culture, laziness in the church, dishonesty in the church, gluttony in the church. Well, Paul gave Timothy, or Paul gave Titus instructions here to do three things. The book of Titus is going to have three things. First of all, is about leaders, developing and establishing leaders. It's about conduct. We're going to see in the next upcoming weeks a lot about conduct and godliness. And then today, we're going to see this whole idea of false teachers. And if you remember last week, we talked about leaders. Three things about leaders. Leaders need a good reputation that they've earned. Leaders need to be stewards of God's resources and God's people. And then leaders need to, uh, to hold to strong biblical doctrine. And that leads us to today about leaders as we point out some, some poor leaders who uh, held to false doctrine, these false teachers. I'm going to read the last verse that we looked at this last week before we look at our first verse this week. Verse 9 of Titus 1 said that a leader must hold firmly to the trustworthy message that has been taught. 
so that he can encourage others. So we've got to hold to the trustworthy message of God's Word so that we can disciple others, encourage others with sound doctrine. And also hold to the message that's been taught so that we can refute those who oppose sound doctrine, refute and oppose false teachers. So verse 10, let's go into Titus 1, verse 10. There are many rebellious people who engage in useless talk and they deceive others with their false teaching. This is especially true of those who insist on circumcision for salvation. Now what are we talking about here? This is a false doctrine. It's referred to in Galatians chapter 2, verse 12, where Jewish people became believers in Christ, and they tried to take some of their Jewish uh, laws and Jewish practices and integrate it with their Christian faith. And the same thing was taking place on the island of Crete. There were some Jewish people there. They came to Christ, believed in Christ, and they tried to bring in their Jewish traditions and integrate it with their Christian faith. And one of their Jewish traditions started by Moses about 1,800 years before this book of Titus was written was that all the Jewish people, the boys, had to be circumcised. And um, most guys have been circumcised when they were babies. I was in Tanzania a few weeks ago, and uh, my friend, Michael Titus, he has a a two-year-old son uh, named Steve. And the week after I left, they were going to take Steve to the doctor to have him circumcised. Dude, in the United States, we do that the first day. Kids don't remember it. That kid's going to scream, man. He is going to cry. He is not going to like what they're going to do to him. Well, imagine these guys. I'm a Gentile, never been circumcised. I put my faith in Christ. Oh, by the way, if you really want to be saved, you've got to go get circumcised. That doesn't sound like fun for an adult male. This was useless talk. This was deception. Verse 11 says that these guys, these false teachers, they've got to be silenced. Because what they're doing is they're turning whole families away from the truth by their false teaching. And they do it only for money. So here's the true teaching. You are saved through faith in Christ alone. They were teaching you are saved through faith in Christ and you've got to get circumcised. Some other false teachings were you come to faith in Christ and you've got to observe these Jewish dietary laws. Think about this. They were were on an island there, and part of their diet was shellfish and other things like that that were were rejected by the Jewish law. You guys have got to observe the Jewish law in order to fully be saved. Another Jewish law is the tithe. Paul gave New Testament giving as generous, joyful, sacrificial. They said, you've got to give the tithe. And a lot of times in churches we talk about the tithe today. What's a tithe? How much is the percentage of a tithe? Oh, that's what we think. But the true Jewish tithe was 10% twice a year, and then every three years, another 10%. So a real tithe is 23 and a third percent. We don't like to say that today because no one will do that. But you've got to do that plus Plus Christ. And Paul said to Titus, these guys have got to be silenced. Verse 12, even one of their own men, a prophet from Crete, and he's referring to uh, a secular prophet. His name was um, Epimenides, around 500 B.C. He made this statement about the people of Crete. He said, the people of Crete 
are all liars. They're cruel animals. They're lazy gluttons. And, and Paul said, hey, man, this guy was right. 500 years ago, he was right. This is true. So what do you do? You reprimand them sternly to make them strong in their faith. So these false teachers, they are liars, and we're to reprimand them sternly for two things. First of all, so they will you know, repent from these false teachings and become strong in their faith, but also so that the believers who hear their messages will reject it and they'll become strong in their faith. He says that in verse 14, they, the believers, not the false teachers, but the believers, they've got to stop listening to these Jewish myths and the commands of these people who have turned away from the truth. Stop listening to these false teachers. Verse 15, everything, now what he's doing here is he is referring to another Jewish myth. Besides the circumcision, he's now bringing up the whole idea of eating clean and unclean food. Verse 15, everything is pure to those whose hearts are pure. Every food is clean to eat for everyone who's been cleansed by Christ, who's been saved. Everything you can eat is fine. But nothing is pure to those who are corrupt and unbelieving because their minds and their consciences are corrupted. What he's saying here is these false teachers who teach these legalistic food restrictions, saying they're corrupt. They don't really believe in Christ alone for salvation. It, they believe in Christ and following these other rules, these Jewish laws for salvation, and that's false. Final verse here, verse 16. Such people, these false teachers, they claim to know God, but they deny Him by the way that they live. They are detestable, disobedient, and worthless for doing anything good. Paul's writing this so that we can become disciples of Jesus who do everything and anything good. He wants us to become godly. He wants us to become mature disciples of Jesus. But false teachers are worthless for doing anything good. They are not godly. Well, let's make some observations here from this passage. Uh, first, um, we're going to look at three things about the heart of of false teachers. Now you might say, well, why do we need to know about the heart of false teachers? Because guess what? These three things, we can have hearts like this as well. We might not be heading down a path to be false teachers, but we certainly can, each one of us, we're capable of having hearts that are like this. The first thing is a heart that's rebellious. Verse 10 says that they are rebellious. And you might ask the question, well, what do they rebel against? They're rebelling against the system, rebelling against the man rebelling against their teacher at school or their boss at work? Well, they were rebelling against the sound message that was mentioned in chapter in verse, in verse 9. The sound message that Paul and Titus were bringing them. They rejected the authority of Paul and Titus and their teachings. There are false teachers in our world today. There are many of them. And they ignore and rebel against sound doctrine, sound teaching, biblical truth. They invent ideas that are in opposition and rebellion towards the Bible, God's Word. They rebel against God's Word. They're rebellious. And not just rebellious, they're also deceptive. Now, here's a question for anybody under the age of 20. Who is this dude? Iron Man? 
Drew, you know who this clown is. Oh, that's right. Up to the end of the age of 23. He's from the Captain America. He's, this guy's a deceptive liar. And these rebellious people, these false teachers, were deceptive. Now, I did some research on this word deceptive. It actually has two meanings to this word. The first one is that they are self-deceived. Some of these false teachers were self-deceived. In other words, they have been deceived by Satan, and they actually believe what they're teaching. They're self-deceived. They think that what I'm teaching is actually true, but it's not. They're deceived by Satan. The second meaning is that they are deceiving other people willingly, knowingly. The word is they're a seducer. They're intentionally misleading other people. Both of these positions are bad. It's bad to be deceived by the devil. Both of these things, they're intertwined with the devil. Either blinded by the truth or blinded to the truth by the devil. Or they're blinding other people to the truth. I mentioned a guy last week. Um, maybe you've heard of him, maybe you have. His name is, is Rob Bell. He's made millions of dollars writing books. He's Oprah Winfrey's personal spiritual guide. He had started a big church up in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and uh, just went off the rails. This guy, I think he is self-deceived. I don't think he's intentionally deceiving other people, but he really believes what he's teaching, and his teachings are false. I mentioned last week he believes and teaches this whole idea of universalism, that everybody on planet Earth is going to go to heaven, nobody is going to go to hell. He, just, he believes that. He's been deceived because that's not what the Bible teaches. But he wants to make God sound like a loving God, and he cares about people and doesn't want anybody to go to hell. So he just his beliefs have changed, so he's not trying to deceive people. He is deceived. Uh, then there's others who are seducing other people who are willingly and willfully, knowingly teaching false things. And the question is, why are they doing that? Why would they do that? Well, Paul says in verse 11, it's because they're greedy. Many false teachers, uh, they seduce and manipulate people because they want to get the people's money. They're greedy. They sell books and make millions of dollars. I mentioned last week a guy named Joel Osteen. And he has written 14 books. His net worth is $40 million. Now, you don't have to worry about that for your pastor. That's nowhere near the case. He had a $2.5 million house, bought a $10.5 million house. He has sold 100 million copies of the book, Your Best Life Now. Sounds a bit greedy. So people sell books to make this money. Some people, uh, this past week, on November 15th, uh, Newsweek had an article um, about a gal named Paula White. Have you ever heard of Paula White? She's actually President Trump's personal spiritual advisor. I think she prayed at the inauguration or something. That's who... Who she is. Yeah, she just did a new thing where if you send in to her $229, she will give you prophetic instructions on how to defeat your enemies. And I don't know, if you wait till the day after Thanksgiving, maybe that'll go on half price. But you can get that from her. 
greedy for money. There are, there are pastors that I've heard with my own ears preach and say, if you plant a seed of faith, you'll watch it grow. Your faith will water that seed. And, you'll have, and what's the seed? They're t- talking about money. If you will give to my church, God will water that, that seed of faith that you plant. It's greedy. So these multiple homes, million-dollar homes, private jets, greedy. And that's the heart of false teachers, according to Paul. Rebellious, deceptive, and greedy. Well, what's their conduct? That's their heart. What about their conduct? Their conduct, first of all, Paul says that they speak nonsense. Verse 10 says they engage in useless talk. This word, this Greek word, means it's empty talk, meaningless. There's no truth to it. There's no substance to it. It's empty. It's useless. It's nonsense. And the problem here in first century Crete is that many immature believers were listening to it and believing it. They were believing the nonsense, and it was keeping them immature. It was keeping them from becoming true disciples of Jesus. Some examples of nonsense. Maybe you've heard preachers say, God wants you to be happy. Not in the Scriptures. I mean, in the United States, what is it, the Constitution? We've got the right to the pursuit of happiness. Yeah, you do. But God doesn't say, you you know, He wants you to be happy. He wants us to be holy and godly. Maybe you've heard it said that with enough faith and obedience, God will make you wealthy. No, if you work hard and save your money and spend less than you earn and invest well, you could become wealthy. But it's not about faith and obedience and prayer and those things. I already mentioned the universalism that everybody's going to be saved. Well, Romans says that whoever believes in their heart that Jesus is Lord, confesses with their mouth that God raised him from the dead, they'll be saved. There's this, this uh, maybe you've heard this before. It's a theological word, big word. And you're going to be surprised that I even know it. But it's substitutionary atonement. You impressed with that? I'm proud of my, I didn't have to memorize it. I actually knew it. Substitutionary atonement. And what that means, in order for us to be saved, our sins had to be atoned for. Um, and we had to have somebody substitute for us. Jesus Christ had to take our place on the cross, so our punishment was put upon him so that we could be found not guilty. Well, there's a a theology out there, a false teaching, called non-substitutionary atonement. They're pretty clever in how they do that, right, how they name it. And what they say is, you know what? Jesus didn't have to die in our place. God just has to say, you're forgiven. But God, in all his justice, somebody needed to pay the price for that sin. And so God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us because we needed that substitution, that substitutionary atonement. So these are false teachers. They deviate from God's word and they speak nonsense. Where they add in their own ideas, their own opinions. And Paul also added, besides their ideas and opinions, they also they added other religions to their Christianity. In verse 14, they added their Jewish their Jewish myths, he called them, to the Christian doctrine. What were these myths? We already mentioned in verse 15, eating and drinking unclean food was needed for salvation. A circumcision was needed for salvation in verse 10. And this is true today, too. Um, you think about the Mormon faith, where they believe some of the Bible. 
They believe that Jesus is a son of God. They don't believe he is the one and only son of God. And they add falsehood from the Book of, of Mormon. Uh, I have a friend, an old friend, at our, our church from 20-some years ago that um, she started getting into this idea that, that we have to worship God on the Sabbath, the Old Testament Sabbath on, on Sunday. Never mind that Sunday morning when we gather together, we recognize it because that's the day that Jesus rose from the dead. And God demonstrated his power by raising Christ from the dead. That's why we celebrate on Sunday morning. She would say, that's a sin. It's wrong. You're not saved if you worship on Sunday morning. You've got to worship on Saturday. She ended up divorcing her husband, leaving her family, leaving the church over this false doctrine where they added a different religion into their Christian faith. False teachers add to biblical doctrine from other religions, other spiritual ideas. And Paul said in verse 16, that's just ungodly. He says that they deny God, but the way that they live, they live ungodly. And he said that they're detestable. They're disobedient. Disobedience is, is ungodly. And this word for detestable, it's pretty harsh. This word means it's an abomination. It was completely unacceptable to God. It's, it's foul, it's abhorrent, and it's a stench is what this word is saying. Now, some people might say, well, what's the big deal? If they're teaching the gospel, and we hear the gospel, and people can get saved from their teaching, some of this other deeper stuff, the non-substitutionary atonement, that doesn't, it's not such a big deal, right? As long as they get saved and they're, they're in heaven, right? Well, Jesus said, I am the way and the what? And the truth. The truth is intrinsically tied to Jesus. And falsehood is is intrinsically opposed to Jesus. So a believer who is deceived by falsehood can never become a true disciple of Jesus, can't make disciples of Jesus when there's falsehood intertwined with that. Who's the father of lies? Satan, the devil. The lie is his native tongue. And he has... And lies have no place in the body of Christ. False teachers are ungodly. They're a stench. They're loved by God, but they're a stench to God. And he says that they're also worthless. They're like phony money. He said in verse 16, they're worthless for doing good. This word means that they are reprobate. They're rejected by God. They are cast away. They're unfit. They're disapproved of. By God, And we ask, does he love them? He loves everybody, but he does not approve of false teachers, does not accept false teachers, does not endorse, he's opposed to, and he will judge the false teachers. And he gives us instructions of how to respond. We are to respond first with a rebuke. Verse 13 says, reprimand them sternly. This word, as I was studying it, this word means expose them, correct them firmly. Now, I'm going to do something that um, I honestly have never, ever done in the 30-plus years that I've been a pastor. Going to, you know, on our, we're recording this for our website. I'm going to name some of these. So I guess I've named some already. But we're told to expose them. Uh, in 2 Timothy 4.14, 
Paul calls somebody out. He calls out Alexander the coppersmith, who has caused me much harm. He names somebody. Jesus called out publicly the Pharisees. He said, your, your disciples, you're making them twice the sons of hell that you are. He called them out publicly. So as your pastor, I'm just going to name some names. You've already heard about this guy. Here's just some of the things that, that Joel Osteen has said in his books. He says, I'm, you know, he, he believes in this word of faith where if I speak it, it'll happen. It'll come into existence. So he has said these atrocious things. But Paul, the Apostle Paul says, you know, guess who I am? I'm, I'm just a wretched person. Here's another guy. Maybe, you're, maybe you haven't heard of this guy. He's an author. He's a pastor from North Carolina. Big church. Huge church. Good-looking guy. He's got, I mean, he's working out. He's got biceps, wears a tight shirt, so everybody can see it every Sunday. But this guy misinterprets God's Word. He's greedy. He's one of these $10 million a house guys. He leads a ministry where they call it attractional. Everybody come, everybody hear the gospel, and he may preach a gospel, but then the teaching beyond that is off track. This guy, Stephen Furtick, his name. Anybody here hear this gal? <coughs> Joyce Meyer is her name. She teaches the prosperity gospel. That if you sow a seed of faith, if you send in money to me, God will make it grow. She owns multiple homes. She has a $10 million jet. they got a private jet. Some of the things she has said, some of her nonsense, she said that Jesus stopped being the Son of God when he was on the cross. When sin came upon him, he became sin, and he stopped being the Son of God. He did become sin, but he never stopped being the Son of God. She also said that Jesus had to be born again. He was the first person who was born again. So he was like, that's nonsense. Joyce Meyer. Do you know who this guy is? About 15 years ago or so, he wrote a real, he made millions selling this book, I Kiss Dating Goodbye. Joshua Harris became a pastor at the age of like 20. And then in the last year, he divorced his wife. He's denied the faith. He is now endorsing homosexual behavior and saying that homosexual marriage and, and priesthood, all that stuff, is okay now. False teacher. You certainly saw this guy before. Benny Hinn. He's a phony faith healer, a manipulator, a seducer where they'll have people pretend to come up on stage and get knocked down. Phony healings, greedy for money, prosperity gospel. Big cat on TV. This guy was real popular a few years ago. You know his name? This is Joseph Prince. He's a, I mean, really well-liked, really uh, winsome, funny guy. He's a prosperity gospel teacher. He talks about you know, speaking words into existence by having enough faith. Very arrogant guy, always talking about himself, very boastful, misuses God's word. He's on TV a lot, a lot of stations he's still on today. You've seen this book before. Maybe you read this book. It's called Jesus Calling. Um, in 2013, in the first six months, sold 14 million copies of this book. Uh, this is a gal named Sarah Young. I don't know her personally, but some of the things that she said in writing this book is that um, I was doing my daily devotions, readings, God's Word, and that wasn't enough for me. So I put that down, and I wanted to listen to Jesus personally, one-on-one. -on -one. 
and everything he told me, I wrote down. Everything he wrote to me, he told me, I wrote down, and it's inspired by God. I'm like, boy, that sounds like the Bible. So you're adding to and writing the Bible, and it's it's that and more. It's real popular, and it's just dangerous to be taken that way. I don't think anybody knows this guy. I didn't even know him until I was doing a Google search this week. This guy's name is Tony Hudson. And uh, he's just, there's, there's 10,000 pastors like him across the United States. He's a legalistic pastor. And you might say, what's legalism? You see, God's given us boundaries to live within. Godliness boundaries to live within. And what legalists do is they shrink those boundaries. They say, in order to be godly, I've got to only read the King James Version of the Bible. In order to be godly, I can't wear shorts or be seen outside the house with no shirt on. Women have to wear skirts or dresses. Men have to have their top button buttoned in their shirt so that there's no hair or anything else showing. And if somebody wants to live that way, you're perfectly fine to live that way. But when you shrink those boundaries of freedom for everybody else and say that everybody else who's not living within your boundaries is sinning, that's legalism. And there are thousands of pastors who beat that pulpit and condemn people um, every week in the United States. And that's just false teaching. Do you know who this is? That's, that's her. That's Paula White. Now, I just want to say that I remember when President um, Carter was elected back in 1976. I was in fourth grade when that happened. I didn't know much about him. I uh, started knowing more about President Reagan after that, President Bush, and then Clinton, and then another Bush, and then President Obama, and now President Trump. I can just tell you honestly, um, I haven't agreed completely with any of those presidents. Every single one of them have done things that I haven't agreed with. And today, too. Um, one of those things is right here. That this is personal spiritual advice. And I don't know if President Trump knows the Lord or not. He has said publicly that he's, he's trusted Christ for salvation. Maybe he has. I don't know. But this is a bad move because she is a prosperity teacher, false teacher, um, completely, completely bad move there. On a side note, you know what's going on right today in Houston? Uh, your boy, Kanye West, he is singing at Joel Osteen's church. And last week we met, you know, I believe it's a, it's a genuine conversion. We've got to pray for this guy. Because as a young believer, he does not need to be exposed to that false teaching. Uh, here's a guy. You heard of T.D. Jakes? He's real popular. Real popular. But, man, some of the things he has said have been this word of faith theology. And there's some big money rolling in there. One final thing. This is not a person. But um, years ago... At this church in North or South Carolina, I'm not going to name the pastor's name for this church. He recently, a couple years ago, um, had to resign because of alcoholism and, and mismanage of money from his church. Started this thing called the 90-Day Challenge in his church, challenging people, if you tithe to God, give 10% to God for the next 90 days, he will bless you. And we're going to guarantee he'll bless you because if he doesn't, if you're not fully satisfied, we'll give you your money back. You know, this is a way to step out in faith. I'm like, how are you stepping out in faith if you get your money back? That's not faith. There's no faith required for that because you're getting your money back. And what that guy was doing, he was manipulating everybody to get them to give more money rather than a genuine thing. So tithing, is that a false teaching? To give to the Lord? Absolutely not. But if my motives, if my motives are um, to manipulate them to get more money, then that's a problem. So we're told to rebuke. 
to expose, to reprimand them sternly. And finally, verse 11, Paul said, shut them up. Verse 11 says they've got to be silenced. Why? Because they're leading people astray. Whole households are going astray. So people today, Freedom Bible Church, we want to be students of God's Word. Know the truth so well that we can recognize the counterfeit when we see it, when we hear it and hear it. Reject it. Rebuke the false teachings and teachers and shut them up. And Paul told Timothy to do the same thing in 2 Timothy 3.16. He said, you know what? All Scripture, all God's truth, it's from God. It's God-breathed, and it's useful for teaching, for rebuking and correcting, and training in righteousness. So God's Word, using God's Word to make disciples, the teaching, the training in righteousness, that's making disciples, but also using God's Word to correct and rebuke. We want to be aware so that we can beware. Let's all be aware of the truth from God's Word. And also beware of these false teachings and rebuke and shut them up and shut them down. And let's remember, our friends, um, we don't want to be rebellious like the false teachers. We don't want to be deceived or be deceptive. We don't want to be greedy or godless or speak nonsense or live in an ungodly, worthless way. We want to be wise disciples who know Jesus, follow Jesus, serve Jesus, and obey Jesus. We want to be aware of God's words and know and live the doctrines from God's words. What's our disciple pathway for this week? It's in your program, but I'll put it up on the screen. It's how about memorize this last verse. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. That's our memory verse this week. And for our reading this week, let's keep reading Titus 1 through 3 as we teach through it. But add this week 2 Corinthians 11, 2 Peter 2, and then this passage from Matthew when Jesus speaks about false teachers. And then devote daily time to studying the truth of God's Word so we can identify these false teachings in our world today. Let's pray. You know, Father, I honestly, Lord, I feel uncomfortable showing pictures and naming names, but you did say to expose them, Lord. And we want to protect our people. We want to be aware of and beware of uh, this falsehood, which is no congruity with Jesus. He is the truth. We want to expose and reject falsehood, Lord, so that we can follow him and live in the truth, live in freedom, walking with you. Lord, we pray for all of us today, young people, old people, all of us in between, Lord, uh, that we would follow after Jesus, that we would love the truth and live the truth, that we would reject falsehood that leads to bondage and it leads whole families and households away. We don't want that, Lord. And Lord, as we close, we, we think about these shoeboxes again and these kids again, that they would be set free from sin by the truth of the gospel that they get in these boxes, Lord, that we would live in freedom from sin by living in your truth and being uh, students of your word. Uh, that's our prayer today, Father, through Jesus our Lord. Amen.